You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. They have a problem with, you know, when something terrible happens to them or some kind of a crisis situation, uh, whether on a national scale or whatever. And uh, usually they raise the question, they'll ask the question, well, if God is supposed to be such a good good God, a loving God, why has he allowed something like this so terrible uh, to happen? Well, once again, I want you to notice there's no question, there's no confusion as to the fairness of God in uh, heaven. God's grasp of justice is much stronger than ours. He created it along with everything else. Yet with misplaced trust in our own sense of reason, we look at the events that happen in our world and accuse God of being unjust and unloving. As Pastor Mike continues our study of the book of Revelation in today's message, we'll be reminded that ultimately God is just though we often can't see it in the here and now. One day, it'll be made clear just how he's working in even the most unfair circumstances. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 19 as he begins his message, The Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot. I'll explain all of this uh, for you in just a moment, particularly those of you who are joining us for the first time or you haven't been around for the last couple of weeks, that is, as it relates to who this great harlot is, who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he, that is God, has avenged on the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat upon the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God for all you, his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns, that is, omnipotent, all-powerful. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, 
and his wife, that is the church, has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, Right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay, a little background before we go ahead and break down this text of Scripture for you. This chapter, here, chapter 19 in the book of Revelation, can be broken up into two parts. There are two different scenes that are contained within it. Here, in verses 1 through 10, uh, the scene that is uh, recorded for us is that which is taking place in uh, heaven. And then the remainder of chapter 19 are events, and the scene is taking place upon the earth. And so, we'll consider this chapter in two parts, two specific uh, messages, okay? So we'll pick up where we left off, uh, where we will leave off this morning and just continue the remainder of chapter 19 uh, next time. Now, next week's message has to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. So, again, some significant subjects that we're going to be treating. Now, this chapter begins with what I like to call the Alleluia Chorus. Notice in verses 1, 3, 4, and 6 of our text that we just read, the word Alleluia is repeated. Now, the word Alleluia can literally be translated, praise the Lord. Okay, so a little bit of Alleluia trivia. This is a word that is seen mostly in the book of Psalms, particularly in Psalm 146 through 150. And we find that word Alleluia, or praise the Lord, which is the translation of it in our English uh, language, in the beginning of those Psalms and also at the conclusion of those Psalms. Psalms. Just think of it, the word Alleluia, if you would, as a short doxology. A doxology is a hymn of praise in a translated form. So just think of that word Alleluia as a short doxology, a hymn of praise in a translated uh, form. But also, I wanted to mention that all of, in all of the New Testament, this word is only found here in the book of Revelation. So just a little bit of trivia. You'll only find this word, Alleluia, recorded for us in this book, in this book alone, in all of the New Testament. But the idea here is that this is the happy expression of the redeemed people of God. So just think about it then. So something pretty spectacular, significant, must be uh, going to... Uh, take place as we read on here and we break down this text of Scripture uh, for you. Now, let's go back to verse 1. Let's get into our uh, text. And verse 1, let's read it one more time. After these things. Now, this is a reference to the destruction of Babylon. We'll talk some more about that in just a moment. 
So after these things, after God has destroyed uh, those two systems known as Babylon, commercial Babylon and religious uh, Babylon, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation. And you might want to underline that word uh, salvation, because if you think about it, this is the song of the redeemed. Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. So you might say then, what we have here is the hallelujah of redemption. Because this first note of praise is all about salvation. Jesus is about to appear with his church to fully complete the redemption. He began at Calvary, where he died upon the cross some 2,000 years ago. I mean, there's only one final conflict. There's only one battle that remains, the Battle of Armageddon, and as I've already uh, mentioned, next time together we'll talk about the second coming of Christ, and by the way, the church comes back with him. Uh, you'll come back with him, and uh, we'll, uh, he'll engage the nations that have uh, come together and have arrayed themselves in battle to fight against uh, the Lord. And so we'll find out how that whole thing plays out uh, next time uh, together. So there's only one final conflict, one battle that uh, remains, the battle of Armageddon. And then we are told, here's a couple of cross-references for you, uh, depicting the results of and the end of that battle. In Isaiah chapter 2, in verse 4, a prophetical announcement. We are told, the swords, uh, and then the swords of men shall be beaten into plowshares, and they shall not learn war anymore. And the earth will be redeemed, and the lamb and the lion shall lie down together. This is something that we can't even relate to. I mean, think about it. In our lifetime, we've never experienced anything like this. There'll no longer be any threat of conflict. No longer will there be any violence upon the earth. I mean, consider everything that's going on right here in New York City, right in our own backyard over these last couple of months. All of the killings, all of the murders, all of the shootings. All of those things will be done away with when Christ comes back again and establishes his kingdom upon the earth. Here's another cross-reference for you. Uh, another event that will take place upon Christ's second coming and then putting down uh, all of uh, those who oppose themselves against uh, the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 9, we are told the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. So how does that uh, translate? Well, there won't be any debates about the existence of God, as there is today. There won't be any debates about who Jesus is. There won't no longer be any debates about why does mankind exist. All of those things will be done away with when Christ comes back again. And so Satan is the prince of this world now, according to many verses of Scripture that describe him in that way. Like, for example, in John's Gospel in chapter 16, in verse 11. Uh, another example, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, where the devil is described as the prince of the power of the uh, air. And so Satan presently is the prince of this world. But listen, Jesus at this time 
holds the title deed to the earth. Remember back in Revelation chapter 5? Let, let's quickly turn there. I, I, I don't have this in my notes, but just as a, a reminder, in the book of Revelation in chapter uh, 5, uh, the scroll, we were introduced to this scroll with the seven seals uh, upon that scroll. And in that study, so many months ago now, I had suggested to you that that scroll actually is the title deed to earth, which was lost in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve through their disobedience. And because of their disobedience and sin, Satan now holds the title deed to earth. But folks, that's all about uh, to change. And we have the description of that change recorded for us in chapter 5. Let's pick up in verse 1, just to serve as a reminder. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat upon the throne, that would be God Almighty himself, a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. In other words, to once again redeem the earth, the title deed uh, to earth. But then notice all of a sudden in verse 5, one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, obviously, that is a description of Jesus himself. Verse 5, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, the lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, Jesus, as though it had been slain, having the seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, that is the fullness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit resting upon Jesus, sent out into all the earth. Then he, that is Jesus, came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. Okay, so in this scene, Jesus comes forward and takes the scroll, the title deed to earth, back out of the hand of God the Father who sits upon the throne. And so listen, the day is coming when he shall possess what is his own by creative and redemptive right. Creative right because he created the heavens and the earth. Redemptive right because he gave of himself on the cross at Calvary to redeem the world back unto the Father. Folks, this is that day. So no wonder the multitudes in heaven cry out, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And so the first hallelujah has to do with redemption. Now, under this heading, the second hallelujah of this chorus has to do with righteous retribution. Let's go back to our text, verses 2 and 3. Notice there, the multitude in heaven cries out, For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot, who corrupted the earth with her fornication. This is a reference to spiritual fornication. The counterfeit substitution for the real thing. And he has avenged on her 
the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rises up forever and ever. So, all of God's judgments upon both the good and the evil, notice the testimony, is true and righteous. But the chief feature here, and I want you to notice this, there is no questions or confusion as to the fairness of God in heaven. Do you see that? You know, whereas think about it today, you know, people blame God for, for everything. And they have a problem with, you know, when something terrible happens to them or some kind of a crisis situation, uh, whether on a national scale or whatever. And uh, usually they raise the question, they'll ask the question, well, if God is supposed to be such a good God, a, good God, a loving God, why has he allowed something like this so terrible uh, to happen? Well, once again, I want you to notice there's no question, there's no confusion as to the fairness of God in uh, heaven. So all of those questions will be put uh, to naught. Notice also there in verse uh, 2 the reference to the great uh, harlot that we were introduced to both in chapters 17 and 18 here in the book of Revelation. Those religious and economic uh, systems, Babylon, notice we are told they have received her just retribution for all of her evil. God has avenged the blood of his servants who died at her hand. Now, this has always been true right from the very beginning of time. You know, all of false religion and rebellion against God begin in Babylon, according to the uh, book of uh, Genesis. So this is something that's always uh, been in existence right from the very beginning of time, particularly relating to religious Babylon. Let me give you an example of this. The Inquisition which was an ecclesiastical tribunal established by Pope Gregory IX in 1232 for the suppression of heresy. It was chiefly active in northern Italy and southern France, becoming notorious for the use of torture. But in 1542, the papal inquisition was reestablished to combat uh, Protestantism. And it was estimated that millions of true believers in Christ died during that period of time known as the Inquisition. So once again, we are told here, he has avenged the blood of his servants who died at her hand. And remember also during the seven years of tribulation, those who refused to take the mark of the Antichrist, who refused to bow down and worship his image, acknowledge him as God, uh, there in the rebuilt temple in the city of uh, Jerusalem will be put uh, to death. So this is also a reference to those martyrs that have come out of the seven years of tribulation. So her doom serves as an everlasting witness to the righteous judgment of God. And her cities... And remember, I had suggested in our previous studies that the uh, headquarters of religious Babylon, it has been suggested, I don't want to be uh, dogmatic about this, but it has been suggested that the uh, religious Babylon, the headquarters, would be located in the city of Rome, whereas we're not quite sure 
of where uh, economic Babylon's, uh, the headquarters of that city, might be located, but it's possible right here in New York City. Uh, maybe some city in Europe. Uh, maybe some uh, major city in the Middle East, but we're not quite sure. But it's at this time, those cities' headquarters have now become a burning heap. Notice what is recorded there uh, for us in our uh, text of Scripture. Her smoke, verse 3, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And so the hallelujah here is expressed because God has gotten the victory over all of his foes. Listen, the permanence and finality of God's judgment upon all evil is call for the rejoicing of God's uh, people. I mean, think about it. You know, even today, as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm sure that you can relate to this uh, illustration, this, this example, we're frustrated. It seems like evil is continuing to make great advances in our world today. Wouldn't you agree? And, uh, and it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? And even as the church, you know, uh, and we're doing everything that we could possibly do to arrest evil, but there are times, I mean, all you got to do is watch the 6 o'clock news, and it's extremely disheartening, isn't it? And we feel powerless to do anything about it, because evil seems to be increasing and increasing, and we see the effects all around us. All you're going to do is walk out of this building and walk down the street and you see the effects you know, on the people that you know, are just walking the corridors uh, of the streets right here in New York City. It's effects. And so we're frustrated. We're powerless. But listen, there's coming a day when God is going to put an end to all of this. The permanence and finality of God's judgment, truly, upon all evil, is call for the rejoicing of God's people. Man, that's a day that we're all looking forward to. Now, the third alleluia in this chorus is based upon realization. Let's go back to our text, verses 4 and 5. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, alleluia. And then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. Okay, so these 24 elders and these four living creatures that are mentioned here in this text, who we were first introduced to in chapter 4, in verse 4, notice they join in the hallelujah chorus as the volume of praise begins to gain momentum. The realization of the extent of God's greatness it, it, it's sort of like, it just hits them like a ton of bricks. Notice there, uh, the 24, these mightily men of God. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mike today to study the book of Revelation, the final book in the Bible. If you'd like to listen to more, just visit our website, harvestnyc.org. 
You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Finizio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet at 11 a.m., and you can reserve your seat online by clicking on Contact at HarvestNYC.org. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area or if you're just unable to attend in person right now, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time of studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch up with previous messages, check out our services through our Vimeo link, or you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Links to all these are available at our website, harvestnyc.org. Before we end our time with you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us in this ministry. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting In My Father's House? Donations of any size can be made securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for praying about this, and thanks for joining us today on In My Father's House.